Hi, Jojo. Hey. Right, we are post-budget. So now we can have a little catch-up on it. So going back to some of the stuff that we chatted pre-budget, I think the first question was, do you think Rishi will be more or less dishy? And I think I said at the time, he'll be looking slightly more stressed, but still as dishy as ever, mm. or words to that effect. And, and I stand by it, I think he is dishier. Um, he is more warning, but there's absolutely nothing wrong. I quite like a man who's, you know, looks like he's putting the hard miles <laughs> and a rough paper round. He didn't have a rough, pa rough paper round when he was a kid, but you know. Apparently when the Chancellor delivers the budget, it's the only time in Commons anybody's allowed a drink of alcohol. And um, it went back, there was ones from like the 1800s, um, and which Chancellors were doing budgets at the time and what their drink of choice was throughout All it. Right. Um, but if she wish she had like an orange and water. If I never wanted to be in politics more, I'd just be absolutely smashed going, yeah! Going, do, you want to be, do you want to be Prime Minister? No, 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 no. I want to be over there doing the budget, having my drink. Number 11. Oh, one day a year. One day a year. Um, drunk, just drunk and dropping taxes, left, right, and centre. Drunk, dropping taxes. Just me. <laughs> Madam Speaker, past me. Just stop tearing it up. Absolutely. Yeah, they probably change the rules. Um, oh, I wish I had the article because I want to, like, some of them were just ye olde men in ye olde days and like the big. Yeah, like that kind of thing. Like yeah. Probably not like a blue wicked or anything. <laughs> Gordon Brown would be blue wicked. <laughs> like that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I also can't think of any other chancellors. So what would be our drink of choice then if you were chancellor and you were doing the budget? So bear in mind, because so Rishi's was, he did about an hour, didn't he? And I think one of them, like the longest ever budget was like four hours and 36 minutes. Oh God. So, Are you only allowed be? one drink? Well, no, I'm wondering if it was drugged out because you're allowed to top up your drink. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, like that one glass of wine when you go to an event because it yes. never goes empty. Yeah. That unending glass of wine. So um, actually, you think of a drink that would keep you hydrated and stop oh, you from slurring by the end. Well, I think you missed the point because I want to be slurring. I want to be by the end going like, no changes to <laughs> and I, no changes to and I, and everyone in the comments like, yay! Um, you know, while I'm down in my fire whiskey and talk. That's the budget everybody wants to see. It really is. Also, the definition changes to and I. I know. I'm not M&M, there's only so many syllables I can work with. Couldn't fit in bloody pension contribution lifetime allowance. <laughs> Jesus. Right. Great, good intro. Um, what would you drink if you were the Chancellor? You know when people say, if you were Prime Minister, what's the first thing you would change? If you were Chancellor, what would you, what would you drink? drink? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I'd be margarita. Oh, good Just keep your Just keep it warm, <laughs> but on point. Yeah, no, I've seen you on tequila. You are not warm, are on point. You're like a, you're like a woman in a roller skate on ice. <laughs> Um, just made me think though, why isn't there a different cocktail for everything? So like when the Prime Minister does Prime Minister's questions, he's just got like a pina colada. <laughs> if you like pina colada, Madam Speaker don't like yoga. <laughs> she likes getting caught in the rain though. Apparently, allegedly. Right, so what we did talk about last time was pre-budget and your guesses for these particular areas and what would happen. I think you'll find there were forecasts, <laughs> <Sorry>. estimations, <laughs> or predictions, predictions, as opposed to just random guesses that I picked on the spot. <laughs> um, so the first one was corporation tax. 
And on that, your prediction was? I'll go through some of the items that they normally cover in the budget. Tell me, firstly, what you hope will happen to it, but then secondly, what you think will actually okay. happen to it. So, corporation tax, which is the tax that companies pay on their profits. I think they'll have to um, put that down. Um, sorry, sorry I, think, I don't think they'll increase that. Just because businesses out of everybody being hit the hardest. You think they'll just keep it, keep it steady? Yeah, keep it steady. I do think there might be some sort of, not a bailout, because we've already done that, but some kind of um, greasing the wheels for businesses. <laughs> Okay. Just grease the wheels, I think. <laughs> oh, my corporation tax, I think, will stay steady. Steady, Eddie. <laughs> what happened to corporation tax? Um, <laughs> the opposite, when <laughs> it was the biggest increase. And now that I'm listening to that, it's funny because even when we recorded it, it was all headlines was he's going to put corporation tax up, he's going to put corporation tax up. And you were like, he definitely will not put corporation tax up. I was just up. being optimistic, and I was just kind of hopeful that he would do the right thing. Do the right thing, Rishi. And um, I think you were being optimistic and I agree with your optimism. Alongside the budget, they did an announcement around reforming what it takes to get listed on the stock exchange and making it easier and give them more flexibility because a lot of companies will grow. They might grow in England and then they will list on like the New York Stock Exchange because it's got better rules around it. Yeah. Um, so, right, we're going to say that you got that wrong. Whoa, I don't think it has to be a competition. Yeah, you're just competing against yourself and you're losing. <laughs> but then again, if it's against myself, I'm also winning. <laughs> we'll call yourself a draw. <laughs> um, income tax. Income tax, which is what everybody pays on their normal earned income, and it's the stuff that comes off your income before you receive it. You'll see it as PEYE on your slip. Um, I think... Lower and basic rate tax will stay the same, but I think there might be a change to higher rate tax or additional rate tax. And that there'll be more? That, that the threshold will mean you'll have... I think they'll try and target people with more money. Um, what they've done is frozen the personal allowance. Yeah. And I, just, I think it's funny because that, and they did it with lifetime allowance as well, which is the most you can have in a pension over your life. Um, they've just frozen it, so if you can earn up to like £50,000 currently before you pay higher rate tax... They've lifted up £50,000, which doesn't sound like a big thing, but then the predictions are that a year later, six million people will become higher rate taxpayers that wouldn't have, because obviously their income goes up with inflation and now the tax threshold isn't. So then they call it a stealth tax, which I just think is really interesting because it's literally all over the news immediately going, <laughs> oh, you six million people, you're going to pay more. It's just nothing stealthy. But I think it's like when I try to whisper, <laughs> you know, when we're in a bar and I'll say something and then you just go, oh, you weren't whispering yeah, there, no, but I thought I was. was. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when, instead of him saying, I'll move in higher rate tax from 40% to 50%, which people can go, I understand that's gone up. If he just says, I'll freeze thresholds, people don't immediately link it to an increase, but it is still. Yeah. So we'll say I've won that one. Um, yeah, still neutral. Fuel duty. Um, I think it'll go up. It's flipping expensive at the minute though, isn't it? It's, it's one of those things that's gone under the radar again. But yeah. people are using it less. Yeah. Um, because they're commuting less. So they're having to recoup it. I think that will go up. Yeah, so you got that wrong. Didn't go up. <laughs> Stayed um, the same. But do you know, overall, I might have got a couple of the elements wrong. But no, I mean, overall, you've got them all wrong. <laughs> a couple of the elements. Every element was looked no, at. No, the last one was pretty much right. Fuel duty, you were wrong. Wow. Alcohol duty. <laughs> Um, I think I said that they would put it up just because no. um, I thought they would have felt like they'd missed a trick because yeah. that's all everyone's done, done, but they've kept it the same, haven't they? Yeah. <sighs> Shock news, but good news for everybody. Yay! <laughs> I, I'm pleased I'm wrong on that one. 
Um, stamp duty holiday. What did you say on that? I can't remember. Um, stamp duty holiday. So I think that's due to end anyway, isn't it? I think that'll end. I don't Soon. think they'll extend it. Um, and I do actually think it's had an adverse effect because oh my there's God. people in the office dying to buy houses and yeah. all the prices are Physically elevated. Can't, yeah. That will burst. Yeah. Um, the stamp duty holiday was a bad idea. Agree. I mean, you're winning at getting the most wrong. <laughs> If that helps. I think it just shows <laughs> how much, like I said, Rishi just, it just shows, honestly, I don't know what he's playing at. I en- I'm enjoying it. It's going to come down eventually, but let's, let's. Yeah, so what did they do? They extended it till June and then it's going to taper down after that. So it won't be like just a cliff edge to suddenly stop. Yeah. Um, and then brought in additional like 95% mortgages for first time yeah, buyers it's an interesting one because as we said last time rightly the housing market is exploding and typically when that happens it becomes a bubble and typically when that happens it pops and people end up in negative equity and it feels like an unusual part of the market to, to stimulate further yeah. but I read something the other day saying just 20 years ago the typical house price was around two times what people earned Right. so you know if you earn 50 50 grand your house is worth 100 grand yeah. and now it's something like nearly seven times so if you earn 50 grand now then you're buying a house for 350 grand yeah so actually people are buying much much more expensive houses house prices are elevated and the mortgages are easier to get and of a higher value you can just see how this is going to end so what we're saying is not that you're wrong but that dishy's wrong yeah furlough i think at the minute is that april that's due to last yeah. term i don't know how much longer that can go it's got to stop hasn't it's it it's got to god's sake <laughs> it's getting awkward now, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anything you want to say? Anything you want to add? I'm pleased for the people on furlough. Good for them. I'm pleased they're getting the gardens done. <laughs> Joe is not at all cross and bitter that predictions were wrong. Oh, yeah, <laughs> not at all. I'm, I'm so competitive that I'm losing against myself and I'm cross about it. <laughs> Woo! Self-employment support. Oh, I don't know. Probably whatever the opposite of Rishi did is what I said. If he's going to do something for businesses, he might do a little bit of something for the self-employed. True, but, yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be a major part of the budget. <laughs> I'm going to write my letter of resignation on the back of this piece of paper. Jeez. No, yeah, no, it wasn't a major part of the budget. Oh, well, well done. It wasn't, yeah, thanks, Rish. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because I remember saying about the um, business and going, well, you know, if he's going to help businesses, he'll have to help himself employed. But what he did was cripple businesses. So therefore, I agreed that it would be in correlation. Yes, yes, you did. Capital gains tax. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know where this is going. So with capital gains tax, he made no changes. What did Joe predict? Um, I think they'll hit capital gains tax. I that's, think that'll that's go That's the rumour mill, isn't it? Um, I think they will. And it's, an, again, an easy way. And it might even split out to corporate and, and yeah. personal. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I'll maybe could get a job, eh? Slide into his DMs. Yeah, Jishy. Rishi and Joe. It's fascinating. It's interesting, isn't it, how wrong you can be? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are, will it go up or not? And I've still managed, it's like a 50-50 choice and I've still got them wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, if it were like just tossing the coin. You know, yeah, it wasn't like you said, what do you think the new rate is going to be? Yeah. I didn't have to guess that. No, no. I just had to go Up yes or no, and yeah. then... <laughs> and finally, last year, his bit of fun was eat out to help out. What were your predictions around that? And if we would do anything similar? Say, if COVID's gone, you need to come up with a campaign to get people out again, what would it be? Well, you've literally put me on the spot, so I can't think of a great slogan, but what I was thinking is, drink, don't think. <laughs> Let's not worry about it. Nobody needs to worry. Get yourself out, have a couple of bevies. Chill out. Don't lick anyone. 
That's all we're saying. But Just that, in case, yeah. We that think would it's be the rule anyway. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, I'm not drink, don't any. link. <laughs> drink, don't link. Um, Again, one, one to pop into Rishi's DMs. Oh, I can't believe he didn't, he go, didn't go with <laughs> drink, don't think while sipping on his orange mortar. I can't believe it, you know, it's his loss. And <laughs> um, we did just get a little shock. So Dishy does just absolutely, I really need to stop calling him that. He mentioned Arlington in last year's budget as well because oh, they're doing the train too. station, um, which just seemed very niche to announce in budget but there you go and then he mentioned it again this year didn't he with a new economic campus which nobody predicted and nobody could have <laughs> <laughs> it was in the paper the day before <laughs> well it was in the paper when they applied for it yeah, I don't so. read the paper and so you're excited for the economic campus which will see 750 MPs descend on Darlington uh, no <laughs> until I tell you why tell me why traffic so and those limos get up the streets of Darlow pubs and restaurants I'm like what if they decide to make the farmhouse one of the bases like, I can't oh my it. god I can't believe do you know what it is you've just been an Egotron because you're in a huff because you've got all of those questions wrong <laughs> I am I think it's a great thing you're assuming it'll be the same bars but actually if there's all of these people descending what if it means that there's a whole because actually the high street's Lord out, isn't it? Shops are all closed, lots of empty spaces, turn them into swanky new bars. It might just like make the Vegas it... of the North. Yes, Monte Dallo. <laughs> <laughs> Riviera of the North. <laughs> Without the coast. Yeah. Or the heat. Um, so yeah, it was just a little surprise thing that he dropped into the budget. Yeah, it was also interesting. Oh god, I can't talk to I'm you. You need furious. to get out your mood. <laughs> Furious. You really want to say game night at my house, isn't it? Now, this is the point where I say I'm going for a bath. Um, do I have a confession? It's just been so, 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 so busy. I still haven't had a chance to listen to an audiobook on Audible, and I really, really, I said I would in the last episode. You did. And, um, you can hold me account to the next episode and if I haven't done it by then you're allowed to punch me in the face or take my roller skates off me, which would be more painful. But have you listened to any good ones recently? Do you know what's really um, good on the Audible app? No, I no. haven't done this, but um, Mike has. He does like um, learn Spanish with Paul Noble. Oh. So there's an Italian one and things. Oh. Um, so. so I've been try trying to, to learn Italian and I've got books and I've got an app. But like you can only get it so far and actually need to listen to something. So, so I, didn't really think, I didn't want to listen to a story because I do like reading my own books, but I feel like that might be my, my way in. So how, how do I get Audible again? All you need to do is just head on to our um, Mint Podcast website. So it's that mintpodcast.co.uk forward slash Audible and there's a link on there and you can just sign up through that. Amazing. Doing it now. You know what? What you're doing now is roller skating. You better roller skate over to your desk and do it. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine we just roller skating along listening to Italian on Audible. Yes, think about how efficient that would be. Like Are you literally practicing. roller skating out of the, the room? Ready <laughs> enough for you. <laughs> Bye. I saw something earlier, which was, and it, like, I clicked into the story because I thought I don't really understand the headline. And it was watchdog's concern about home cooking during lockdown. And I thought, oh, but that's a good thing. Like I've saved a fortune cooking mm -hmm. at home, but it's because people have actually turned it into a side hustle. So they're cooking at home and selling it. And people are just buying home cooked food oh, from others. So yeah. then there's like the advertising standards agencies involved because they're just saying, like, the they're the best people. They literally just, people are like, I've got time on my hands. 
need some extra cash. I'm really surprised at that. That's blown my mind. The things you should not be doing are these schemes where you have to sell your soul before you make like three quid and then you have to sell it all. Like guilt tripping people into doing it and buying candles that they don't need or yet another bath bomb. I mean, this stuff isn't new, is it? I mean, the body shop's always been around since I was a kid. You tend to get a cheeky invite to an Anne Summers party every now and again when you're younger. The whole Avon thing. Do you remember when they used to sell like um, Tupperware and things? Honestly, stuff of dreams. Like who doesn't still need somebody to come around and sort out the Tupperware for them? Because Tupperware's a challenge. Is it a challenge though? It's one of the biggest challenges I've got in my adult life. No, it isn't. Everybody struggles with Tupperware. Like nobody manages to keep control of the Tupperware. In a disposable world. It's my it? Tupperware. So yeah. <laughs> it's all Only in half. It. Sorry, I got distracted. I feel like you were using Tupperware as an example of bad stuff and I just think they're amazing. I don't disagree with the concept of Tupperware in the same way that I don't disagree with face creams. My point is, now that the social media and Instagram and Facebook, people are using those as a platform to sell things and... That, um, what do you call it? Tropic Skin Care. It's Avon, but, you know, in 2020. So they were on The Apprentice, I think. Mm. But the way Tropic Skin Care works is you become an ambassador mm-hmm. and then you sell it to people you yep. know or online. So from their point of view, I get it. From the company's point of view, you're not employing teams of salespeople. You're just getting people who seem to, or pretend they genuinely like your product, to tell other people about mm-hmm. it and it's kind of that wider distribution um, and I did it like I ended up I needed some new skincare stuff and I'd seen some on Instagram and they had a like a mini set you could try like one of each and they were just little trial sizes and they were alright they were pretty average I wasn't kind of personally bothered about it so I didn't order them again but that's an example of I don't know that person I don't know Tropic didn't watch The Apprentice I don't know that person but by seeing it online mm-hmm. I went and bought something and if it had done wonders for my skin like it could have then become yeah which I agree kind with kind of into it I can see from the company point of view, but from the low level people who are selling it, the only way to make money from it effectively is to then kind of subcontract to another ambassador, to somebody yeah. below you. It's yeah, that kind of scheme, yeah. isn't it? You kind of, yeah. and then you get so much commission from them and yeah. it just kind of goes up and up and up. Where I think there might be a more interesting side hustle is where it's somebody's actual passion or a skill that they've got. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you were an amazing artist but you're not going to be the next Van Gogh. That would be a nice thing where you could just bring Mm -hmm. in a bit of extra money and not harass people. Do you know, some people have seemed to make a full business out of what would, I guess, start as a side hustle. So, you know, you would always get the people with a holiday cottage that they would rent out. And then in London and big cities, you would get people who'd rent out a room because they had extra space that they didn't need. And Airbnb came along and made that into a business. And it was, you know, something that was already happening, but had never really been formalised. I mean, I've never got the whole kind of, I don't know how you stop the being murderers. <laughs> how do you stop the being murderers of people staying in your house? You don't. Is most, that the fun of it? Most people aren't murderers. Not all. Yeah. But the majority. Um, it's funny though because actually when we were talking about this before we wrote down some of the some of the side hustle examples and a couple of them have just blown my mind. So people do life drawing models. Would you ever be a life model? Yeah. Would you just get your knockers out? Yeah. Would you let them draw you? Yeah. <laughs> I just think it'd be a funny thing to do. I don't know how much you get paid for it, but do you not just think it'd be like... It's not like a selfie, you can't go do it again. <laughs> You've been on for six weeks. <laughs> you got me from the wrong angle. Put a bloody filter on it. I just think there's something about art and about with life drawing models that it's not a sexual thing, that they're genuinely just kind of looking at the human form and I think there's just something and I can't draw, so I couldn't be on the other side of the canvas. Um, also, mm. another couple. The Territorial Army, which I didn't know you got paid for. Did you? I didn't. Interesting. I am tutoring GCSE students. You should be getting paid. Is Jude giving you some cash for helping him out? After doing the whole homeschooling of a GCSE pupil, 
I can't think of anything worse than a side hustle for that. I'd rather oh. get me knockers out for yeah, the life drama. Yeah, sit trying to do Trying to explain to somebody about to bloody acute angles. I'd rather oh. get me acute ass out. <laughs> <laughs> you know those YouTubers who play video games? Yeah. Which is one thing. There's some of them making millions of pounds. Mental. Mm -hmm. Do you remember five years ago, though, when Jude was into the watching the guys play games online? And then he did a live tour, this guy, and he's worth millions. And so I bought me and Jude tickets to go and see him at the City Hall at Newcastle. But then there was a separate <laughs> thing, and you could pay an extra £50, £50, mind, to do a meet and greet. So I paid the extra £50, because I'm a loser, to, so Jude could go and meet this guy called Dan from Nottingham. Um, who plays games. I was really confused. Like, it was a stage show, like a little pantomime thing. And it was partly just him, like, going through this kind of journey thing. And then there was, like, a couple of big screens and he was playing some games. And literally, there was just an auditorium of people watching him play a game. It was really odd. I don't know. I but don't... yet, his net worth was, like, at the time, like, five million or something. And I was thinking, who's the fool? Who's the one who's paying 50 quid to go and meet him? Yeah, exactly. Um, also, eBay... So, do you know, I think I forget about eBay because it exploded, didn't eBay. it? And people yeah. were making millions on eBay. And I, mm. like, I forget that it's still a thing. I used to love the odd story about eBay where someone would try and sell their kid. <gasps> do you remember? Was it eBay when the guy asked me to send a photo of my boots that I was selling, but on my feet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put a pair of boots up for sale and or shoes. And it was like, oh, but I want to see your feet in them. <laughs> but I was like, what are you going to bid? <laughs> And then he may do some laugh modelling while I'm on. <laughs> Gone up ten pence. Three bidders. <laughs> hey, another hobbyist thing, starting a podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, we're making money off of our side hustle. <laughs> we're doing this all wrong. We should do this in an auditorium and people pay 50 quid for a meet and greet. Dan can do it. We can do it. Not right uh, now because of COVID. What do you think, if you did have a side hustle, what do you think it would be? What's your... I'd like to think I could <laughs> make some money out of you not teaching people to spell, how to spell segue, <laughs> things like well, that. Well, interestingly, when I was thinking what your side hustle could be, not spelling per se, and but proofreading. Yeah. Proofreading is like a... But I do that all day, every day, and I don't know if I would want to do something side hustle. I'd like to think I could be like a... Oh, do you know what would be a good normal side hustle? Um, dog walking. I really enjoy walking the dog. Yes. I wouldn't want to be those people, though, where they have like those belts on and like 10 leads or and loads of different dogs <laughs> can extreme dog walk yeah what if they run off in the opposite direction and you just get pulled apart yeah like bloody braveheart that guy i put three potential side hustles down for you one was proofreading Fair. appreciate it's boring but i think you could do it very well was one of them being a highwayman it wasn't pirate or um highway lady one was being a rum connoisseur like i wonder if there's some you know you could be like um a sommelier like i wonder if you could be a remote like go around and do rum tastings i'll get people into the fire whiskey do you know fire what? whiskey brand ambassador you know i sometimes get into these different drinks and i come to you and i'll say oh try this drink and you go yes, yes. Like, i mean you are very easily led with alcohol yeah. <laughs> yeah. you have normally before you've read the label drank it and i don't know anything about you know where it come from or anything like that but pair it with a nice like i don't know cheese toast Something <laughs> scone. This one will go with a cheese scone. Um, and then the third one. Would you ever do a stand-up comedy? I do like a cheeky heckle, and I like to reply. Oh, professional heckler. Uh, what could you do? You could do something with fitness and stuff. Motivation. You motivate me to go out and walk. And but then I've got the motivation to keep motivating people, so I don't think that would work. True. I saw an Instagrammer the other day, and she's got like a million followers. She hasn't got like a million followers. She's just reached a million followers, which is a huge thing. The brands that she's an ambassador for are like Dior and just absolutely like Mulberry and all the rest of them. Like 
latest luxury brands and then just pay for it to swan off to fashion weeks. And in the post, she talked about how much content she creates to do that, which was a lot easier when you were traveling around the world and just jetting off. And so at the minute, she's just in the house and she still does something like an Instagram post every other day, um, a YouTube video four times a week, a reel on your Instagram, say two a week, three blog posts a week. And it is literally a more than full-time job just at home to sit and take pictures and film and write about stuff and I thought fair enough that you're making good money from it because that's hard work it's is genuinely it, is hard, it hard work? work than going down the pit for 19 hours a day don't think that's your only alternative no, there I don't think that's even an alternative. well also it's what you're giving up with it isn't it it's the same as being a singer and you're giving up your um, privacy and actually yeah. just you can't then at some point go well I don't want to talk about this anymore because the yeah. brands are like no no that's that's why you've got followers yeah you can't just sit in your pyjamas and just go oh go and put your bins out look on a state because yeah. somebody's going to get you which is why I've never ever wanted to be famous that is the worse. only reason we're not millionaire famouses we want to be able to put the bins out in our pyjamas Imagine if I had to wash my hair more than twice a week. Um, I think it's just blown up a lot lately. One's the advancement of social media, so everything's much more accessible. Another thing's the COVID. There's people on furlough, there's people working from home, they've got more time, and it's just really seen an explosion in side hustles. And Do you think as well there's something about the social media which allows you to have the side hustle, um, but there's also kind of technology and media generally where you're more aware of more options. Like actually mm -hmm. people might have just gone into a default option straight from school or yeah. uni and kind of got into this career. And actually now it's almost, you're aware of everything. Like I, I wanted to learn to code. You can learn it free online. Mm -hmm. Like not only do I know now that that exists as a career option, I can go and do it myself and I can, if I wanted to, follow other people that are doing it and learn from them and engage with them and could tweet them. Like, the resources to find out that there's other options and then to pursue them are just limitless. And if you want to take your clothes off on the internet, I'm sure somebody will draw you. I feel I could have always done that. <laughs> it's not a new thing. So I've got a bit of a game for you, Cathy. You ready for it? Mm -hmm. Have you heard of Cameo and no. things like that? Have you not? No. Oh my God, it's a site, right? So as you can imagine, people who would make money from personal appearances and things right. would struggle now. So your celebrities have moved onto their site also, which is sites like Cameo and Tidal. <laughs> I don't think I would pronounce it. Where you can pay varying amounts of money to have somebody send you a message. Do you remember when your brother kind of harassed Jimmy White on yep. Facebook until yeah. he sent a message to your mum? Still got the restraining order. <laughs> So there's celebrities now who are doing that for money. Oh, okay. Um, on a not side. Not the goodness of the heart, like Jimmy. Oh, they're not as good as Jimmy. Big J. Um, but they're charging different amounts for videos. Right. If I tell you the celebrity, right. I want you to try and guess how much they are charging. Are so it's just like a brief message that they would do. Is it a video? 30 second personalised video. Right, okay. Okay, Mr. Motivator. I mean, I feel completely... Mr. Motivator! How good is Mr. Motivator? I want to have a word said against him. Pretty sure he'll give you a little bit of a workout too. 30 seconds. I don't know. Like, I don't know where even the reference point is to start. Like, 30 seconds, what's something? 50 quid. 40 pounds, very close. Ooh. And you know, you're in the ballpark for a lot of them. Okay. Alan Fletcher, also known as Dr. Carl Kennedy from Neighbours. Oh, oh he can't be as good as Mr. Motivator. Go, what was he, 40? We're go 30. £33.75. Billy Boyd, also known as Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Never heard of him. 
You never heard of the Lord of the Rings? He's a hobbit in the Lord <laughs> of the Rings. I've heard of the Lord of the Rings. I haven't heard any of the two things that he said. Well, one was a character, character. one was his name. Okay, but because you seem outraged, I mean, I'd personally pay more to Mr. Motivator, but I'm going to assume that's not the case for you, so I'll go 50. £112.50. This one, an Ed Sheeran look-alike. Oh, get lost. <laughs> I've got a link as well if you want to um, have a look at him later. Does he really look like him? You, you can't pay a lot for a look-alike. 20. 22.50. Ooh. Lennox Lewis. Right, he's got to be more than the Lord of the Rings guy I haven't heard of. So he's 100, higher. 150. 375 Ooh. quid. Um, how much do you think for this one? I'll treat your old parent trap. Lindsay Lohan. She's not on. She is. I feel like she's more famous than Lennox Lewis, but for all the wrong reasons. 400. 281 pounds. Is this because of the conversion from dollars, do we think? Because they're just very specific, aren't they? What about this one here? Jerry! Jerry! Jerry Actual Jerry Springfield! Jerry. Is it yeah. Jerry Springfield? <laughs> Springer! <laughs> Ooh! Yeah, I mean, we loved a bit of Jerry back in the day, but he can't be as famous as Lindsay, so I'm going to go... What was she? This one is also an interesting amount for one of my favourite people of all time. <gasps> Do you want to guess who it is? Well, I know who it is. Paul Chuckle. Go on, guess him. Didn't even know if he was dead or not earlier. It was Barry. I got confused by his name. Ooh. 300. I wish. Oh, not uh, like a little 30, no. Five, 35. <laughs> he was probably getting more when his brother was alive. Oh, yeah. When he was a chuckle brother, not a chuckle yeah. singleton. Yeah, because, yeah. Oh. Did you know, there's loads of chuckle brothers. There's like a family and there's like six of them. There's like Barry and Paul who do that, but there's others who do like Blackpool like and the stuff. Jackson. Right, okay, this is the last one, just because right. I think you would Built it be up. interested in this one. Cisco. <laughs> going to do that for the purpose of the podcast if he's going oh <laughs> yeah i bet he comes on and sings that yeah he'd have to wouldn't he god i wonder what old he is these days oh i feel he's going to be disappointingly low i feel like it's going to be around the 100 mark 83 ah it's not bad would you like one of these or would you find them a bit cringy i think it's a good it's just a bit of fun i think it's all right i think who would you like one off i'd love one off tom hardy Assuming... With his telephone number. No, I don't know. Like, something funny. Like, at Chuckle Brothers. Like, the campiness of it's all right. You don't want anything too serious, do you? You don't want a bloody Lennox Lewis just shouting at you down the thing. Just a bit of fun, isn't it, I think? There's no harm in it. I wonder if they're declaring it to HMRC. <laughs> I wonder how many they're getting through. I wonder how many they have to do a day. Well, not many if you're Lennox Lewis. Like, 30-second video for 375 quid. Do you know what this is like? A smaller, miniature version of, you know, when you see those famous people and they've had, like, Adele sing at their wedding yeah. for, like, millions. Yeah. Um, it's like that, but for 30 like quid. <laughs> but you get Ed Sheeran for 30 quid. Somebody who looks a bit like, like him. <laughs> slightly like him. <laughs> Wow. 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 Wow.
So we had an interview with Jamie Sutherland, who is a stand-up comedian. But what was interesting is that he was formerly in finance and in banking. And we thought, what a unusual viewpoint to get somebody who's gone from the world of finance to the world of stand-up comedy. So here's our catch-up with Jamie. Okay, so I'm Jamie Sutherland, stand-up comedian and corporate host. Well, I've worked for Everton since 2013, so I do all the Premier League games for Everton at Goodison. I do the clubs, we do theatres, sometimes we work abroad, and especially in summer, we go to do the Sensatory Resorts. They have a little comedy club in them, so they fly us out on a Sunday and fly us home on a Tuesday. Oh, nice. How do you get into that kind of gig? Do you have to be funny? <laughs> you do, that does tend to be one of the things that you do have to be. Fair enough. <laughs> so how long have you been doing that for? I started in there. 2004 was the first time I ever had a, a little go, but I've been full-time since 2006. It must be a huge change to go from something so stable to something so completely different. Obviously, I went from banking into that, but in reality, I'm still talking crap for a living, aren't I? <laughs> Yeah, there's not that much change. <laughs> kind of, how did you get into finance in the first place? How did you get into banking? And then what, you know, how, how that evolved to kind of where you are now? I was just a college leaver, you know, and you just, back then in the early 90s, it, it was, if you got a job in a bank, that was quite a, it was really well respected, you know, and it was a job for life, as they used to call it. So that's what made me sort of choose it, because you, you saw the advert, and you thought, forget in there. You know, I'll be sorted till I'm 60, like, you know, and I was only like 19. But that's how it, it people was, thought. Yeah. You either got a job for the council or the police. And they were sort of really well sought after jobs. And incidentally, I was absolutely awful at maths as well. <laughs> I just, but I was terrible at maths, as in a, a GCSE. And I did pass that. But I was good with money in that. If you asked me to work out maths, I wouldn't have a clue. But if you broke it down into an investment or money in pounds and pence, my brain could sort of work that out. Sort of, And I started at the bottom, the very, very bottom, um, as everyone does on the counter. And then there was the opportunity just to move up. And it, it was really, if you want to move up in a bank, it is quite easy if you're willing to move about. Because I'd say 80% of the people that work in branches do so because it's local, maybe they've got kids, maybe they want to be part-time. So if you want to sort of shoot up and you're willing to drive around, then that's what was I was able to do sort of fairly fast, yeah. So what were you doing by the time you left? I was a sales manager. I was responsible. We had financial advisors, mortgage advisors, because they split the role by then, and uh, the banking advisors. So there would have been about three or four mortgage advisors and probably eight banking advisors. And I was responsible just for the training, just for the day-to-day management, just for looking after them, really. But it was a job that was never going to last because it was too easy. They were that experienced, really. They just needed a morning, everything, all right, keep going. I could have changed it to suit myself, but it was easy just to let them carry on doing what they were doing. Yeah, and so then did you spend all day writing jokes? There was, there was a crossover of me working in the bank and doing stand-up on the open mic circuit for about 18 months, yeah. It sounds like you've had quite a traditional financial services experience, but in, in kind of in the time that you were there, did it sort of pique your interest more broadly in finance? Do you feel more comfortable with your own finance now? Do you feel that's kind of give you a good grounding for what you then do? Or did you just literally think, screw it, that's gone, I'm off the flight of the sensory? No, I, th- I think it does stay with you for a long time. Do you know, when uh, because I was, I was a mortgage and financial advisor for 
years on there, one of the main things I used to get on my nerves was speaking to self-employed sole traders, which I am now one off, you know. Um, <laughs> and I'd say, how much do you want to borrow? And I'd say, well, give us your accounts. And they give the accounts. And I was like, mate, that's, uh, you're earning 18 grand. And they go, no, no, no. Here's my, my real accounts. Uh, you're like, what? That's not how it works, you know. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, as in, it was wouldn't declare it all, which is what people would hope that they could self-certify back in them days as well. And yeah. so, going on from that, I was I've always been sort of inside me now that you declare what you earn, you pay tax on what you earn, because you'll never know when you need to sort of move house or borrow again. And you know how frustrating would it be to know what you're actually in and I know that you can't have the house that re- reflects that sort of thing. So you know, that bit's always stuck. The law. <laughs> um, and, but I think a lot of people have, have been caught up with it now with COVID and actually when they were getting kind of support based on their declared earnings and people weren't declaring it. It's like, so you never know, do you? you don't know what you're going to need in terms of yeah. mortgage or a global pandemic. Like it's, it's, Yeah, last year everyone was like, oh no, I only made this much and that's why I paid this much tax for this year and they're not working. No, made twice yeah. as much. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny that. <laughs> when you were working in it, or even since, do you get or did you get friends or family asking you for advice or kind of asking your opinions on their mortgage or their pension? Oh, all the time, you know, and I was part of a, a Sunday League football team, you know, and everyone has a job, you know, so you'd have a, an electrician, you'd have a plumber, you'd have a bricklayer, you'd have the financial advisor, and you just stayed within the group and it was like, well, if you want a mortgage, you go and see Jamie, you know, or... What I was going to say is um, we often talk about when we go to parties and things like that. And, you know, when you work in finance and somebody says, oh, what do you do? And you think, oh, I'm going to have to try and explain finance. You don't want to say it because it's awful. But then I was thinking, actually, for you, it's almost, is it worse to say I'm a comedian because there's somebody just go, oh, tell us a joke? Yeah. I think for the first couple of years, I just tried to avoid it as much as I can. And you sort of, you'd end up being involved in comedy or entertainment because you are sort of quite outgoing and quite sort of outspoken and stuff. And then you find yourself, when you're in that position, wanting to be the quiet one at a party mm. because you always run the risk of somebody saying, oh, you're not on stage now. And you think, oh, I'm just being myself, you know. <laughs> but John, I've got kind of a bit of a mission to ironically make finance seem less boring um, or more engaging for people to get more involved in it is there anything that you think people who haven't got actively involved in the world of financial services personally that they should know about it or is there any kind of one thing that you would say if you've always kind of stuck your head in the sand and not really got stuck into it this is the thing that you should focus on where we just where would you point them to banks are just seen and still to this day seen when you go into a branch or financial services my wife is she works she's upstairs now working for a wealth company um you know, it's just seen as this institution that you go to because they are the source of knowledge, not come and let's have a chat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, they're kind of unapproachable in a lot of ways, aren't they? Yeah, because people are scared, aren't they? Because they don't want to go and be told you're doing it all wrong and it's going to cost you money. Um, one of the other things that we talk about as well is the fact that the world has changed, that you did used to have your job for life, whereas with self-employed, Obviously, it's, it's on you to be proactive and to save, but then also you don't know what your earnings are going to be from kind of one month to the next. Does it make you feel less inclined to put money away for the future because you just want to kind of keep hold of what you've got right now? Or do you think, actually, I will put it away because I don't know what's coming up? Do you know what I do? Right, this is dead sad. <laughs> is that every When I started, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was 1992 when I started at the bank. Um, and we got paid on the 18th of the month. So now 
even to this day, when it gets to the 18th of the month, whatever I set my earnings, I have a thing in my head as to what do I need to have as an income to be sort of, if I was working, that's X, it's that amount. And on the 18th of the month, anything that's over X just goes into my savings account, which is for spending or wasting or purchases on holidays and all that. It's easy there. I'm not putting it away for life. It's there. It's still mine. But on the 18th is is that's my payday. Isn't it funny that you're stuck like you've stuck with yeah. 18? Like it's just because it's not stuck even like a, it's ingrained. Yeah, it's not even a good day. Yeah, it really is. Not even the middle or the beginning or the end. It's a really random it's day, not, isn't yeah, it? So stuck with that. Still got it. The 18th. <laughs> well, it works, doesn't it? Yeah. Seems to work really well. Um, did you have though a moment of panic when the COVID pandemic set in? And I think I think it's been felt, you know, everywhere, and it doesn't matter what um, profession you're in. But the things where you were doing, obviously, things in theatres or you know the football matches, for example, all of that kind of thing when it stopped. Did you not have a moment of oh, I hope I've saved enough. I hope I've got enough for net here. Absolutely, and um, nobody knew how long it was going to be. Did these, and at that time as well we sort of caught off guard because you always think there's no way they'll shut us down you know so being self-employed i'll be honest with you my diary my thursday friday and saturdays would be between eight and ten months in advance booked so you can imagine in last march i was full for the rest of the year anything else i had in the diary was extra and then there was that little bit of a panic as to the government said we're not shutting venues but we're advising people not to go and that's when the phone started to ring to say, we're not having the event next week. We're not having the event next week. And literally a full diary just, well, it just collapsed. It, it literally just drained. And I do think it's caused a lot of, um, I suppose what they've been calling like pivoting and things, but people have changed. So these kind of online um, events and things, I've seen a few more of those crop up. Have you found much of that? Anything you can recommend for... <laughs> <laughs> Barring Zoom quiz. <laughs> Got one tomorrow. Uh, so we, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. Um, LinkedIn has been quite sort of busy with, with all those things, especially on the road to Christmas. Like comedy by Zoom must be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we've got one tomorrow. We've done quite a lot. We did quite a lot uh, at the back end of the year as well. Uh, and I think, yeah, it is weird. But luckily... We've been doing videos online and podcast shows anyway for years. And so I was quite lucky in that I had a bit of a head start in terms of technology because I wasn't uncomfortable just looking at a camera and not getting any reaction. Yes, the reaction I was thinking, yeah, must be weird. Just to get silence is how I normally perform anyway. (laughs) The online Zoom meetings, for example, Will, will stay with us in some capacity forever now. And it's sad, isn't it, that some conferences may go. I want to like, get back to boring conferences, mainly because on a night, it was always like the drinks, wasn't there? And they were always quite debauched. Do you know what? It helps if you are from a corporate background because you know the tables to sort of go for, you know the people, or there's a hierarchy of staff. So... Always go high. Yes, all, all those things have sort of helped me in, 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 a, in a good way, really, being from a finance background. Because I have been to the, and if you, I have been to the conferences, I have been to the meetings, I have sat there, I have been the one that's thinking, 
I just want to go to the bar now. This is because that's your free time, isn't it? That night, you know, that's yeah. You just want to. So I think those things as well. When you say to the audience, for example, you know, uh, if you don't laugh, I'll stay on for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if you laugh, we can wrap this up in twenty minutes. <laughs> and we all still get paid for it. Oh, Jimmy, thank you very much for um, joining us. Thank um, you. No problem at all. Nice and fun. Good. Good to chat to you. Good to chat to someone. <laughs> well that's another that Mint podcast episode thank you very much to the guys at second draft to my co-host kathy harrison and um, to all the guys in marketing for all the great work that they do online and thank you very much to our guest jamie please rate, review, subscribe. You can contact us at That Mint Podcast on Twitter or send us an email, hello at thatmintpodcast.co.uk. Thank you very much.